All right, Mariners Church, Mike Geary here with Senior Pastor Kenton Bishore. We are so excited about furthering the Sunday conversation. We study so much and so hard, and we only get 30 or 35 minutes on a weekend. Kenton, is that enough time to share all that God has put on your Never. heart? Never. So much is left on the table. It we have is. more to say, and we're excited to say it. So so we are going to tell you a little bit about uh, the stuff we didn't get to or the things that really surprised us. We just began a new series called uh, Jesus, Why Jesus Hates Religion. And uh, Kenton, give me your impression of, of what the main point was this past weekend, and what do you think our church took away? Well, I think that the surprise for most people is that Jesus really does hate religion. Such a startling idea. And I think as people started, they're thinking, do I really believe that? Does Jesus really hate religion? What's the downside of religion? I think it's going to take us a few weeks to get that point across, and we're going to have to go at it over and over again. Yeah. But in addition to that, even what we did show them, that sense of, you know what? That is. Jesus does hate religion because it keeps us from him. And then the other surprise is that people had to deal with the fact that we love religion, and that is even harder for them to get a hold of. So that Jesus hates it, but that there's parts of me that love it, and yet when you look at just the content of the New Testament, when it comes to Jesus's life, a huge amount of the content is Jesus in conflict with religious people, talking about why that's a problem. Why is it all in the Bible if it's not such a big deal totally. to teach us? And, and we think, or at least I think, uh, man, those dumb Pharisees or those dumb religious <laughs> leaders, we'd never make those mistakes. I, I mean, sure if, wouldn't. If no, Jesus were you. Here. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, so the, there's always this powerful moment when you, when you see yourself in them and go, yep, we do the same exact thing. And so for me, the, the, the part that I felt like I didn't get to explore was the way in which I love religion. And that is, uh, I use it as a way to block intimacy. It's easier for me to have a relationship with a book or a set of doctrines or a set of rituals and disciplines than it is uh, to have real deep intimacy with God. It takes too much time, too much effort. I don't know how to do it, even on a human level, let alone with an invisible God. And so for me, that was something I felt like left on the table a little bit because there's so much there to explore. As, as for you, what do you feel like you left on the table uh, when you think back to last weekend? Um, what I think for me that if I'm just thinking about my life, that idea, religion gets in a way of making it mechanical. So I think if I've done these things, then surely yep. I'm connecting with God. Sure. As opposed to connecting in a, a relationship where God wants to be with me, wants to love me, wants to give me his grace, wants to empower me, and that my failures or weaknesses don't break that relationship. I can't help but think it's about what I do that makes God, that makes God love me. I'm, I'm earning it. He owes me. That is so destructive. That's right. And I'd like to, you know, and I'm hoping during the series that we get to unpack that more and more because I, and I'm sure you had this too, Mike, as you look at people I loved watching people in the crowd begin to cock their head and go through that sense of, wow, is Jesus really disliking this so much in these people? Because I do that a little bit. I really do. <laughs> I, I make him right. owe me. I make him right. have that sense of, you know, That's no, right. I don't need him for healing in my life. I can find healing. I'm not sure that some of my works don't forgive me. And then getting to that mm -hmm. place where people cock their heads and go, oh my, I do love my religion. So 
I'm hoping that we get to that and get it deep into people's lives. How about you? What did you see in the crowd? As you, well, yeah, 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 all right, so much of that, but it was also, um, you know, the realization that that this this Lord willing is powerful and and should be powerful for two types of people: those that follow Jesus and those that don't, which seems to encompass like everybody. Because what what you're saying, which I so resonate with, is that even though we would all say, "Hey, grace saved us; it's unmerited favor, total gift." To actually live that out, um, that's not just an overnight deal. It's not just his grace that saves me, but it's his grace that trains me along the road to Christ-likeness. So we have a whole bunch of conversation with folks that have fallen back into religion once they've come to Christ uh, through faith and grace. And on the other hand, you have a whole crew of people, and, and I hope there are many that come uh, to our community over the course of the series who are like, yeah, you guys are anti-religion. Me too. Hallelujah. I'm spiritual, but not religious. And so to be able to play a little bit on that impulse and present Jesus, not as a religious figure, but really as the answer to what makes us religious to begin with, that he did away with all that makes religion necessary. And so uh, one of the things we're really excited about are all the different ways that Jesus does this. But I think you're right, Kent. And I think we get conflicted a little bit because Jesus goes after the religious people so hard. How do you answer that? I mean, when, when, when you say that Jesus loves everybody, died for everybody, and yet he's going after particularly the Pharisees in the New Testament, why do you think he was so vigorous in his disagreement with them? Well, it's the, the greatest danger in a lie isn't that it's 180 degrees off the truth. It's that it's so close to the truth right. and slightly twisted. And I think what they did is they took these beautiful truths in the Old Testament that, as we said, were trailers to the movie, mm-hmm. and they made, them, they made them all of this orthodoxy and all of this ritual without the substance, and it became, to them, the movie. Mm-hmm. And it became the thing that not only did it become important to them, but it became a source of power and who they were and identity. And as a result of that, it just blocked the way to Jesus. And in the future weeks, I mean, we're going to go into those passages in Matthew 23 where Jesus goes and slams into the religious <laughs> leaders and he says, Woe to you, you blind guides, you hypocrites. Right, right. And you've thought through, you know, quite a few of these weeks ahead, Mike. So what are some of the big things we're going to be talking That's about good. in weeks ahead? Um, no, so, too, make people that know, you know, they have people that say, yeah, I'm spiritual, but I don't need Jesus or I don't need religion more specifically. Right. What is it we're going to talk about in these next weeks that they go, oh, I need my friend to hear that? Absolutely. Uh, there's part of it is we, we want to continually delineate the difference between the gospel and its implications from the religious impulse and its implications. So if it's true that fundamentally God pursues us, mm. what does that mean for the way I look at my life? So religion most often leads us to look at behaviors uh, externally, whereas the gospel really transforms uh, our inner selves so that, our be- so that the behaviors flow from that instead of being ways to earn God's love. And that's this week. That's what we're going to talk, talk about, about this week. week. And then in future weeks. And so in future this, week, week, this week we're talking about, is it, do we really change ourselves from the outside in, in or yep. is it going to be the inside out? That's right. And that's critical because a lot of people are spending so much time thinking, no, no, I can do it that's from right. the outside. That's right. And there's something to be said for that, and we'll talk about this week. But then in the future weeks, what are some things we're going to be talking about? How how the religious impulse often leads us to a duality that we just call hypocrisy, right? How Mm -hmm. I look on the outside and how I am in the inside. And what does hypocrisy mean? What's that word? Well, the word comes from um, Greek 
literature and performance art, and it refers to somebody who is wearing a mask. So literally, a hypocrite is a performer, a play actor, somebody who has a script mm. it running in their head, and they're playing this script that they think will make them acceptable to God. And or they got an audience others. that applauds them and says, well done, well done. Absolutely. And man, that... That is religious America. There's no question. We're going to talk about how often religion focuses on the the minor issues of the faith and not the major issues and how we substitute those. We're going to talk about how uh, very often religion doesn't lead us to the life that Jesus had because the life that Jesus has comes from him, and -hmm. it doesn't come from a formula, a substitute, a counterfeit, a set of rituals. And we'll talk about how we do rituals. I mean, obviously, we do communion. We do baptism. We, we encourage quiet times and reading your Bible. And so how is it that if you get all this stuff straight, that actually you begin to engage in all of those behaviors that could be legalistic or pharisaical uh, or missing the point, but do them now in the way that Jesus intended them to be done? And so um, I'm really excited. I think it's looking at the gospel eight different ways, eight different weeks, and just continually saying Jesus is the answer to the world's problems, even if we uh, had initially thought he was part of the part of the problem to begin with. He founded a world religion. We just want to keep saying, no, he didn't. He came away. He came to do away with what made religion necessary to begin with. And our outcomes are people being different. And so what sure. are the key things that we want to see different. A couple that I think of, Mike, then you can add, yep. is we'd love to see people break out with a sense of freedom. That's it. I, get, I would have said the same thing. Okay, That's I get it. to be who I am That's right. and that I'm loved for who I am That's right. and I don't have to try to be something that I'm not. That's right. I think people would explode with a sense of living in grace and giving grace. I, I've received grace. I love that statement. We're one beggar going to another beggar with some bread. And that's so attractive to people who don't know Jesus. I'm coming right. with the right. sense of, I have found something that's right. that changes my life. Uh, I would hope that authenticity would break out. Amen. I'm free to be who I am. I yep. don't have to pretend. The whole, the whole uh, weekends that we'll have about hypocrisy mm-hmm. will be great. So there'll be that, that busting out and freedom of, I can be who I am. I don't have to live in a script. That's what right. are some other things that we're looking that will be personally transforming, Mike, that you're hoping our people would find? Uh, I hope they, they have a much more compelling vision of God and, and his grace. I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. The word I would have used is freedom. I even saw it this week in Mission Viejo. There were some folks just weeping, not wow. sobbing, but just very silently. And the image that came to mind was just of a heavy yoke that was being broken and replaced with the light yoke of Christ. The, the yoke of receiving, the yoke of participating, the yoke of, of asking, seeking, and knocking, instead of the yoke of performing and proving and striving and earning and apologizing and apologizing. And maybe it's good enough and maybe it's mm-hmm. not. I'd love to see that as we have... I, got, I grew up in the church, and so communion can often come across as something... I feel like I'm doing something, but there isn't life, there isn't beauty, because I've done it so many times. I want that to become more powerful for myself and more powerful for me. That's beautiful. How are we going to get there? Well, we're going to talk about it. That that will be one of the later, probably late October, early November conversations we'll have. What what is the point of ritual? Because it's not earning, but it's remembering. And there's a kind of remembering the Bible talks about that's really, really powerful. And and if your heart's not right, and if you don't understand some of this foundational stuff, so easy to miss, so subtle. You can look at two people who are doing the exact same outward behaviors 
and one of them could be doing it from this kind of heart and another one from another kind of heart, and they're two totally different actions once you factor the heart in. So, um, so those would be things that we would see, and that's church people. Yes. What would we hope for people who came that weren't church people, Yeah. and they came into this series and said, you know, why does Jesus hate religion? And now we're not talking about truths that they'll get to know, but that's right. what are we hoping will happen in their life? Obviously, that they would see that Jesus is really a person and he is the way to God and they'd make a, a decision for Jesus. But yep. what would be some of the other subtleties that would That's change right. in their life? I, I would love to see them look at the church as, as a community that points to Jesus and not to religion. Mm-hmm. And, and because I think in the American church, we do, we're guilty of what the Pharisees did. They laid on heavy burdens. Mm-hmm. And so very often, you've got to believe this 27,000-point doctrinal statement. And you've got you know, to get your act together, your life right, your addictions taken care of, your relationships put back together before you come to Jesus. And I'm, I'm excited to, to have people come in and realize, nope, he says, come to me directly. I like that, Mike, because you know, one of the things Jesus does smash the Pharisees for is their sense of mission. Mm-hmm. He, you go after these people and you want them to be just like you. Right. Instead of right. introducing people to Jesus. I don't That's need right. people to be like me. I just want people <laughs> to meet Jesus. That's right. And so it would be great if on one side, we as a church, were presenting Jesus. That's right. And the other side, that people would say, you know, they don't need me to be like them. That's right. They just need That's me right. to meet Jesus. That's that would it. be a great one. I like that one. Yes. Let's get at Let's it. Let's do it. All right. All right, so, so here's what we want for you this week. Would you pray for us? Would you consider who it is that you can bring uh, yourself? Because we really do want to break some stereotypes uh, that Christians and non-Christians would have. And then lastly, I think the, the question we left everyone with is, where is it that if, if Jesus is opposed to the heart of religion, uh, where is it that I love it? And, and why? Is it that I love it? And we want you to continue that conversation. We'll be talking about it this week in small groups. Uh, but even just as you're listening to this, whether you're in your car or, or you're uh, on a run listening with headphones, where is it that you, that you find yourself trapped in, yes, I like religion. It keeps me secure. It makes me comfortable. It gives me a, a sense of significance. Because we want to go after those things too. We want to recognize it's not just one or the other. We can't just beat up on religious people because incurably we are religious people. We love our religion. That's right. So uh, at the same time, um, we're asking those questions. We just want Jesus to be presenting something much better. Great. God bless you. Okay.